This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For, for me, if I was, on, I am on the outside, but if I'm Aston Villa, I'm going for... The, the, the quick fix now. And the quick fix is your usual suspects. Yes, Dean Smith's going to have a chance because he plays good, but Sam, David Moyes, they're going to get linked, but they're probably the best options. <laughs> oh, for... <laughs> oh, shit. You were a villain as a kid. I mean, is this special? I was a straight and narrow as a kid. <laughs> Usually every time he finished a song, he'd get on a payphone wherever he was in the country and call me and wake me up. And so, like, he'd lay the phone down and start playing his guitar, you know? And that's how I heard this song the first time. I always thought this was a real pretty one. It's called uh, My Old Man. the seats when we was there we, my dad was the steward so we used to go, have to go and clean the seats and um, and then he'd walk us round to the old end and then meet us outside afterwards so uh, yeah got some good memories of that Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOwnManSaid.com, and joining me for what is a uh, reactionary bonus podcast to the news of uh, Dean Smith coming in as Villa manager, Chris Budd. Thanks for joining me, uh, Chris, at this... Hello, hello. ...at late notice. Yeah, it's all going off lastminute.com, isn't it? We actually uh, recorded a, a podcast the other night, and while I was in the middle of editing it, all the, the news of Dean Smith and John Terry and Jesus... Well, we actually sp- spoke about the uh, the sporting director. Is that his term, to give him his... Apparently so, or yes. It, or is it technical? Yeah, I think he's sporting director, and Dean Smith is now head coach as opposed to manager. So we've gone very continental all of a sudden. And John Terry is assistant coach. Yeah. So we'll we'll stick to the uh, the subject of that. Also, uh, other news: Sir Doug Ellis has also passed away at the age of ninety four. I mean, we'll talk more about that in a, in a future show. Uh, we'll we'll stay on topic here. But uh, and any quick thoughts about Doug Ellis? I, I think um, 
a lot of fans will have sort of mixed mixed reactions to him, like the guy or not. He, I think he always had the club's best interests at heart. Did the money dry up? And I mean, he had his interests. He had his I'm own sure, interests as well. I'm sure, yeah. as all businessmen do. But um, did he run a tight ship generally? Yes. Did he earn the title deadly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing I kind of liked about him. He was a character. And uh, without characters in life, it's it's very dull and mundane. So, I mean, hats off to him. For yeah, that. do you know what? At least he left with on a high note. You know, he brought in O'Neill and the transition to new ownership that pushed yeah. things forward for a period. Anyway, we'll, we'll discuss that more in depth on a proper show. This is f- totally focused on the appointment of Dean Smith as HC head coach. We'll also in the in in that show that we were recording we did field some uh listener questions so i think i'll tag them on the end of this uh, reaction piece so you get more bang for your buck uh, not that you actually have to pay for this podcast uh, so if dan rogers who can't make it suddenly appears on the questions you'll know why so it's an interesting appointment because it seemed that john terry had been uh, shoehorned in as the assistant coach uh, in advance it, it seemed that whether it was Henri or whether it was faria the Mourinho's assistant was also was also linked in and uh, terry would have been his uh, number two so dean smith suddenly has terry as his number two uh, let's discuss uh, dean smith first i think he's um from the fans' point of view, I think he's a he's a he's a popular choice. He was certainly always on the radar. He was he had been for quite a while, really. I know we we'd spoken about him at various points through last season. Yeah, is he the hype name? Is he the sort of the the box office choice? Probably not. But I don't necessarily think Villa need to go down that route. You know, we discussed in the the previously now scrapped podcast. You know, would would Henri have been a, a real long term appointment? I don't think so. I think he, his job would have very much been a stepping stone to something else. Does Dean Smith come in and go? This is you know, this is a big step up for him and a real opportunity to to build something his way. Uh, obviously, you know, his, his boyhood club. So um, I think he'll be a popular appointment. He'll certainly get time, won't he? By the, the supporters, you know, him being a Villa fan and a local guy, I think he'll, yeah. he'll certainly sort of galvanise the support. As will John Terry, which could be a shrewd move in the short term because um, he'll obviously he'll he'll act as sort of continuity because he'll know the squad probably better than Dean Smith. They'll they'll get a certain amount of sort of leeway, won't they? You'd imagine with the supporters if they don't come off the back quickly. I remember reading an, an Alex Ferguson book and he talked about the players. He looked at their mentality and whether they'd be able to go and play in front of seventy five thousand because that's what they have to do every other week. So I think it's the same, you know, when you look at Aston Villa, they're, they're a big club in, in the championship and you have to be of a certain metal to, to go and, you know, play under that, that atmosphere and the, under them expectations. But you have to have great belief in your own ability as well. I mean, obviously, we're not here to be cheerleaders and a lot of fans uh, have been uh, just cheerleaders for Smith. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't mind the appointment uh, whatsoever. But in the, in the situation, I mean, here's the funny one. He hasn't won any of his last five games going into this. He's, he's on a winless streak, which is worse than Bruce's. And he hasn't won an away game this season. Brentford started off the season very well. There was talk that they had their best team for a few years. And then, uh, obviously, it's kind of faded. If you look at uh, Besotted, which is uh, a Brentford blog, they're actually... In the discussion of uh, Dean Smith going to Villa, they actually mentioned the line, some fans started to doubt that he could take us to the next level. It, it's almost like Brentford just shrugged their shoulders, their, sorry, their supporters. They weren't like crying over it because, uh, I mean, you look at Dean Smith's record. When he took over Brentford, Brentford had just uh, obviously come up from League One and they'd had one season in the championship and finished fifth. 
Under Dean Smith, they finished ninth, 10th and ninth. And ninth is the highest position that Dean Smith has ever finished in a league table. Uh, and this is including five seasons at Walsall, where obviously uh, mid-table was, let's say, the average. Well, you know, the more you look at Dean Smith in terms of his actual achievements and, you know, the, let's say the statistics, because at the moment he, on his forehead it says progressive, attractive football. But is he a winner? I mean, that's it's hard to gauge, isn't it? When you look down his playing career, he's not one of these guys who's, you know, unlike Bruce, who's won everything as a you know, as a player and then went into management and had a, a certain amount of success doing a certain job. Smith's actually done neither, really. Yeah. I think he played, I think he had one season in the championship. I think it was with Sheffield Wednesday, if I'm right in saying. Yeah, I think that was Generally, at the end of his career, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, right at the end of his career. So he's he's not what you'd call a stellar name, like someone like Terry coming in, who's won everything. And I think he's just considered a very capable coach which if Villa are going down the sort of sporting director route might help because he doesn't necessarily have to have all the sort of managerial the business side down because people will say they'll uh, they'll caveat uh, his let's say the stats that I've just said about you know his the league positions they'll say well the context is uh, Walsall had no money uh, Brentford are always selling their players I mean if you look into the Brentford situation Andre Gray was probably the biggest loss for that team that finished fifth and the other team you know people like James Tarkovsky refused to play in for Smith in that season that he left I mean it was obviously kind of forcing a move Hogan was actually injured for the season they finished fifth and played one game for a change it's amazing how little Hogan actually played I mean under Smith the next season I think he played about seven games and then we bought him in the season that he managed to get over you know 20 games before he bought him so uh, I think that says more about Villa being desperados to spend you know circa 10-12 million on on him but uh, when you look at the Warsaw example he was there for five seasons you would you would expect somebody who was like super promising to maybe move on quicker but also if you look at somebody like Graham Taylor or like a modern day example, Danny Cowley, you can pick up a team in the lower leagues and the difference the ma- the difference a manager makes is, let's say, uh, more important than, you know, when you get to the Premier League where it's all about money and uh, who you can buy, etc, etc. And Danny Cowley is a winner. He's, you know, he's won the league, uh, the non-league and then he went up and he's won the cup and they were beating teams uh, while they were in the uh, uh, non-league in the FA Cup from you know Premier League Burnley to Brighton and Ipswich in the Championship and this is like Graham Taylor Graham Taylor turned a team going nowhere and had no money as Lincoln certainly had no money when uh, Cowley took over and they get success by winning and this is my only doubt is Dean Smith it's more of a reputation as, as a coach and has he got that winning mentality and moving on to Terry I think that's part of the reason he's come in a if Dean Smith has a rocky start, suddenly some of those players who have obviously played above Dean Smith in terms of uh, level in uh, Dean Smith's playing career, so they'll just look at him and say, well, you're just a Brentford Warsaw manager. Obviously, two names that don't exactly uh, light up in terms of prestige. And the Grealishes and your Balasses might say, well, you know, actually, what do you know? You, you know, you don't know what it's like to be at the top level playing in the Premier League or managing in the Premier League. So I think Terry's in there because Terry will get the players' respect. They obviously know him. And he's almost like a, a kind of a Trojan horse to help Dean Smith earn that respect. He needs time to earn the respect of A, the fans, and most importantly, uh, at the start, the players. Yeah, I think Dean Smith is probably that the, will have a longer term impact. I think John Terry, as you said, he's very much going in there to sort of bludgeon the players and sort of knock them into life a little bit because yeah. he knows them obviously from last season. I don't. There won't be many who won't know him. And actually, of the players that have come in, the likes of Balassi, Tammy Abraham especially, they'll know him very well anyway. Will he help organise the back four? You'd hope so. I'd have thought both of them 
will look at the the resources they've got and be excited by that. Certainly, Dean Smith has obviously basically built a reputation on building teams that punch above their weight and really maximise their resource. All of a sudden, in this the step up from Warsaw to Brentford and then to Villa, sort of financially, and the expectation that comes with that is enormous yeah so that will be the the big challenge i think especially in the short term you know i'm not being negative on dean smith i'm just talking if you look at the facts in the cold light of day i mean the other flip side is if this man's got a vision he's, he's got a way and ethos of playing the game and maybe he hasn't had the actual canvas to uh, fully realize his vision and this may be uh, what he needs and you always have to look at it from that point Defin- of view yeah, as definitely. well so that's definitely. what obviously i'm hedging my bets on that that's the uh, the factor because at the end of the day Aston Villa are a team on the football side of things who in the last few years haven't you know haven't been able to see the wood from the trees because they've got no idea even what football is uh, you know sometimes it makes you think when you're sitting there watching uh, the games unfold especially in recent times so Dean Smith walks in uh, into the club at least with that up his sleeve that uh, you know here's somebody who might be able to actually provide the Villa way? I, I was quite fortunate when I was going to Villa at an early age, you know, they, they won the League Cup in 77, then they won the League in 80-81 using only 14 players and then won the European Cup the year after, the Super Cup the year after that, so I was I was spoilt a little bit, but I suppose my favourite player uh, was Gordon Cowens. I've, I've got to know him as well, which is, which is really good, but top player. I think you know short term I think you know someone like you know an Henri or there's the, the number of other candidates that were mentioned especially the foreign lads yeah they don't necessarily know I'm not talking about the Villa way but they don't necessarily get the culture of the club as is and as you know the history he'll, he'll get he'll he'll get that straight away yeah but what is it what is there to get people say that but what does it actually mean oh, he gets the club what does that mean because as far as I'm concerned this is a club it needs two things to win in this league and to get promoted and there's not that much to get about that <laughs> no to be, to be fair to be fair in, t- what I, in terms of what I mean is one thing you can give him credit for certainly with his links to Villa is that in the time that Villa since they got relegated have come up against Brentford yeah. we're yet to beat them and we're not talking about Villa having should have beaten these teams. Yeah. Villa have been played off the park by Brentford on numerous yeah. occasions. So of anyone through the Bruce era, especially, you could say Dean Smith has been the nemesis of Villa. You know, he'll he will be very aware of what he's coming into because he's had the measure of them so well. You know, he'll know the strengths and the weaknesses of Villa before he even comes in. You know, I think it's is it Monday he's due to meet the players. So he'll have the weekend to do his prep and yeah. sort of get Terry involved. It's it's still sort of debatable whether Richard O'Kelly and Thomas Frank, who were his integrity backroom team at Brentford whether they'll come with him yeah that could be part of his appeal as well you know if, if were those three sort of like a holy trinity as it were at Brentford and they all worked greater than the sum of the parts as it were will he need time to sort of bed in with John Terry quite possibly you know their, their personalities might not match up if they've been put together in this sort of dream team scenario that people have branded it as which I don't know is a good way of putting it but if they've been forced to work together, they'll they'll take time to kind of get their ideas yeah. aligned as well. I think the Brentford uh, website says it seems a bit of a chalk and cheese uh, dynamic, that one. And they had no idea how that was going to pan out. And I think they s- summarised it by saying, well, that's not our problem. So, you know, whatever. There is that thing of Dean Smith is a you know very humble and very nice guy. You know, he's like the the boy from Great Bar and, uh, you know, every word he says, he just comes across as a great stand-up chap. John Terry, meanwhile, you know, every opportunity is flying to Dubai and modelling uh, 
swimwear shorts on Instagram and is a bit more, uh, obviously a lot more high profile and out there. But, but then saying that John Terry, I think his personality from what other people say, he is kind of a bit shy. Yeah, around the changing room and around a club in general, you get the feeling that he, he exudes confidence, but in a very sort of calm way. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't come across like a ranter and a raver. Certainly on the field, he leads from the front, but yeah. you kind of get the feel that he is one of the lads, as it were. He doesn't actually say a lot in the dressing room. He leads by example on the pitch and uh, obviously is vocal on the pitch. So it'll be interesting to see how, because uh, he's on a learning curve, obviously, so he'll be humble, I would imagine uh, you know in, in the initial few months at least it, it's as long as there's a certain patience there as long as there's a clean plan and Dean Smith's gets to imp- implement it so the fans don't go crazy straight away he gets the results to keep keep everything ticking over and Terry uh, and that dynamic is okay because it's you know it's always hunky-dory at the start and the equation is simple people think well Terry's here to toughen them up winning mentality and that compensates for uh, Dean Smith who hasn't got on his record, at least that winning mentality, because you know, winning, winning and losing, uh, I think it's it's pretty fifty-fifty in terms of uh, his Brentford record. Uh, but in terms of it's how that relationship pans out later on. I mean, at the start, you know, everybody's all, all smiles, but um, it's when adversity comes that it will truly test it but you hit the nail on the head in terms of out of the list of managers because he's faced Villa five times uh, in recent years, he's already done his analysis of the team. And obviously, he's always had a passing interest as a fan, so he's always kept tabs. So he'll know going into the job exactly what is wrong with Villa. And I'm glad we've we've played them this season as well. So he knows the current team and he would have analysed that. And, uh, you know, they were obviously very unlucky not to uh, walk away from uh, Villa Park with all three points. No, I I think he'll... um... The interesting thing, I suppose, is when you know he'll he'll clearly know where our strengths and our weaknesses now. But the real challenge now is taking those weaknesses and trying not to exploit them. He's actually got to fix them. That yeah. that becomes a very different challenge, you know, because defensively, our Villa is sitting duck. Yes, so it, now he's got to shore that up with you know potentially not the personnel that he wants. Yeah, well, he's on a bit of a shitty wicket when you uh, when you consider the defensive setup. I mean, from the goalkeeper or goalkeepers. To uh, his defence, I mean, the defence, at least you've got John Terry who's lived that defence last season. And uh, it's, you know, it's potentially, it is the same the same players that he had last season, just missing yeah. him. So at least he, he has a good insight into the dynamics of that. And that could potentially improve. My major concern is the goalkeeping situation. But if Filler, you know, under Dean Smith can develop a game where they keep the ball, then uh, hopefully the opposition won't get much of a sniff. <laughs> so we won't need a goalkeeper. The thing at Villa, players are confused with what their roles actually are at times. Yeah, massively. In terms of that, getting the defence right, if he can uh, just get their roles nailed down from midfield, uh, from defence to midfield, then that's going to help, you know, whoever the personnel is. Because obviously that's the Brentford trait. They have the system first, the players just come in, and if, if they can get rid of a player and make a profit then they'll get another player to fulfill that role in the system so this is what Villa have to develop is the system where the players are essentially interchangeable absolutely and and it's sort of it's finding the a way that's going to get the best out of our best players I mean you know, there was the article that broke there about Scott Hogan sort of throwing a bit of shade at Steve Bruce just saying you know I was I was never going to fit into the way that he wanted to play you know yeah. he was just he even admitted he was being hung out to dry well we all said so, that didn't we over the uh, and we, we it, it was just obvious wasn't yeah. it to everyone watching Villa so it might be that our will a couple of players have to be sacrificed at Villa for the good of the team as far as I'm concerned so be it you know if, if, if he finds a system that works 
I, you know, I'd stick with it. I don't think we can kind of pander to this. He's the big name player, so we have to play him mentality. I think that's what you said in the last podcast, wasn't it? About accommodating players yeah, just for their name. Very much so. Anything else to add about Dean Smith? I mean, we'll obviously uh, get into him uh, in, a, in a more in-depth way uh, when we do the next show, uh, which will be in the, the second part of the uh, international break. But this is more a reactionary piece. But I, th- I think it's, 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 you know, it's, a, it's a positive move. You know, we've had lots of moves that appear to be positive on the face of it. So I think as with a lot of other transitions and bloody hell we've had a lot of transitions in the last sort of eight years the Villa fans are hopeful that this is a positive one one thing I'll certainly give him credit for is that we probably haven't had a manager arrive at the club be this popular straight off the bat since probably O'Neill now I don't know how much that comes to anything but is this blind faith because quite possibly one thing he quite possibly. one thing he has is he was at Warsaw which is obviously a club uh, covered in you know the local press uh, of, of Birmingham and through that time, while he's at Warsaw, obviously he's been a Villa fan and there's been interviews and he's always talking about Villa and and mentioning, you know, stories of his dad and, you know, sweeping the steps of the Holt and his dad as a steward and blah, blah, blah. So him as a person has been in, ingrained in especially local Villa fans for a while now. So there is that foundation. So obviously he came into our league and then we've obviously seen his teams play against us because... I mean, let's break this down. There's not many Villa fans who are saying, oh, he's progressive, he's attacking. They have seen, let's say, more than 10 games tops that Dean Smith has managed. So a lot of it is the lemmings just saying whatever's out there just to sound like, you know, intelligent. Yeah, I mean, as, as, as we said, the, the thing that is his biggest sort of redeeming feature is that he's been Villa's nemesis for the last two, three seasons. So Yeah, switching that, I think I mentioned the last time we mentioned him when uh, Bruce got sacked, my feeling is it's more Graham Turner than Graham Taylor when he's coming because Graham Turner was celebrated for what he'd done at Shrewsbury, punching above their weight without actually... Uh, let's say, doing anything tangible uh, in terms of uh, that would quantify him coming to Villa. But you've got to give him a chance. And it's hard for English managers to, I mean, I think Dean Smith said himself, as an English manager to get a gig at a Premier League team. Nowadays, the only way to do it is to get promoted. And that's what obviously Eddie Howe has done and Sean Dyche has done. Completely. No, I mean, I mean let's, be, let's be frank. If, if, if Villa weren't in this division, he wouldn't be even in the reckoning for the job. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's a fact. And if he wasn't a Villa fan, I don't think he would have been in the reckoning either. Possibly not, no. Even Possibly what not. he's done. So you have to consider this. But at the same time, because of his approach and because of what he's got to say about the game and uh, how he sees that it should be approached, we need something different. And Dean Smith will bring us something different. Henri would give you something different and it puts Villa on the map just because it's Henri. In experience, if you have the talent and the insight of uh, Henri and, you know, the contacts and he's seen it all across the European leagues, then uh, you put your money on him to uh, have a go and uh, do something. But in terms of somebody who knows the league, but also potentially with the canvas of Aston Villa can paint a bigger picture than what he's done in his career up to this point, then, you know, Dean Smith has a good chance of getting Villa out this division as anybody who was listed. Let's not forget a lot of these names were never going to leave for Villa. Villa in the Premier League, yeah, Brendan Rodgers might have thought about it. Villa in the Championship, it's it's a potential bear trap for his the stock of his career you know if he starts to stumble uh, this season and it gets a bit toxic then suddenly he's a failed championship manager you might as well stay in Scotland win a few more trophies and wait until uh, another club pops up and same with Henri Henri could have tarnished his career before it started and you know it's a big risk yeah. big risk doing the villa job if your stock is high in the football uh, industry shall we say yeah I mean it looks like Henri's sort of 
got himself the managerial position in Monaco if reports to be to be believed. So yeah, I, fair play to him for that. You know, that's a that's a step up, a big step up from where he is to go from an, an assistant to a Champions League team. Essentially. And it's also he gets to develop out of the out of the scrutiny of the British football press, which is a bit more intense, I would say. Um, than in France because his name still carries big cachet in England. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the box office name, isn't he? That's why his name's been branded around for so many jobs for the last few months. Yeah, I mean, Dean Smith, first of all, he's got to break his five-match winless streak. Second of all, he's got to get his first away win of this season. And then after that, he's got to break his personal best this season of finishing higher than ninth, and then uh, we'll be good to go. Bring it on. I couldn't believe it when I read that he'd, the highest he'd finished with Warsaw was ninth. I mean, obviously, I knew... Uh, Brentford where they'd finished and then uh, when I looked at Brentford's recent form and they hadn't won in the last five games and Bruce actually had and then I then I saw that they hadn't won away all season I thought no manager has got the Villa job with such a run <laughs> no <laughs> it's I mean quite, it's, um, it's quite funny it's probably a, it's probably a sign of where we're at yeah. as a club no it's it's true well good luck to uh, Dean Smith and John Terry, we'll see what happens. Dean Smith comes in cold, or just with his Brentford assistance, there's more people going, I'm in an R-ring. With John Terry, it kind of, uh, it takes that edge of doubt away a little bit. Yeah, t- Terry helps you, Terry helps you hit the ground running. Yeah, he gets. He helps you get your feet under the table straight away with the players in the dressing room. He also will placate the fans that there is some, you know, I mean, I've, I've obviously been picking the bones uh, out of Dean Smith's record in terms of achievement, but Terry, in terms of the, supporters allows you to cover that initially by saying well we've got a winner in the dressing room and in the coaching staff yeah and, and also with Terry I th- you know he mentioned previously you know he does have unfinished business at Villa yeah. so he'll be really motivated you know you're not you're not talking about a guy who's here just for the quick stepping stone I think he there is a certain amount of attachment to what happened last year and he you know he's a he's a winner throughout all his career he's been a, he's been a winner yeah so he'll he'll you know, he'll want he'll want to put that to bed. I mean, that was the first thing I thought when uh, when Terry was announced was that line got unfinished business, and I thought, well, it wasn't just an empty uh, gesture, and it's going to mean something to him just from you know him this persona of him being a winner. If he yeah. can get Villa up, then it is very much mission accomplished. And you know, going back uh, when Villa signed him, uh, we always said that whether. John Terry's a success and not. It ultimately is all about whether he can lead Villa to promotion. I mean, we were paying him 60 grand a week. You know, people say, oh, well, he's, you know, he got the dressing room together and whatever. It actually means nothing if we don't get promoted. So we're in a position now where John Terry actually... Him signing for the club, it's it's you can't judge it yet. Uh, it's now an open book again because if he gets as promoted as a coach, that season of him playing for Villa actually led up to this moment. So it's game on again with Terry. I think so. I think so. I think he he'll he'll know it's uh for him it's more of an opportunity. You know, I don't think he has as much to lose as a lot of the the higher profile guys who would have come in. Yeah. It's it's very much you know potentially you know the only way is up for him. You know, he's starting from a standing start. So yeah, um, and he's he's getting to learn the trade, but it actually has meaning. I mean, for example, he could be coaching the uh, Chelsea under twenty threes for a season in that kind of respect John Terry is not just practicing with the under 23s he's getting experience that actually to him is you know he has a personal uh, agenda of that unfinished business so I think that works uh, very well for everybody yeah and I think it'll be an interesting counterbalance because you know Smith will have come in and his sort of his selling point was his style of football Terry will no doubt be coming in because the club realise they've got to turn the ship around quickly and they've got to start winning some games you know it's all very good and well them saying oh we're going to build we're going to build but if 
Smith gets four or five games into his reign and he hasn't got any points on the board, they're going to find themselves under pressure very quickly. Exactly. But anyway, let's uh, let's wrap this up now. I mean, the the uh, the good good news is I, I saw a uh, a clip. Yes, uh, I think it was like a few hours before Dean Smith was actually announced, where Charlie Adams was on uh, Radio Five, another one of these pundits that just can just you know get paid for p- appearing and just come out of anything. Where he said. Uh, they mentioned Dean Smith, and they said he, he said, "Man, nah, they they need a quick fix, and uh, they should go with Sam Allardyce or Moyes." Well, that's exactly what's been going wrong at Villa: is the the failure of the quick fix in other terminology, the gamble. It's now time for some roots to be sown, and hopefully, Dean Smith, with John Terry as his assistant coach, can yeah. build those roots for future seasons but also you know impact this season and I think you know the aim is still playoffs because we're you know even after our rotten start we're still like a couple of points away so it's onwards and upwards hopefully hopefully so now we will uh, transition into the question and answers uh, section of that we previously recorded uh, and we will be using all the questions that are still relevant because there were a lot of uh, who do you want as manager What's happening with the manager job, blah, blah, blah. So these are the ones that are still uh, evergreen, shall we say. So you'll hear Dan Rogers joining us. There'll be the three of us answering these questions, so enjoy. Do you need a break from the villa? Sail in style to the tropics with Ulysses de la Cruzes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cami Larkin asks, and we've kind of already spoken about this, but uh, just in a word or two, uh, could JT be a good manager? Chris potentially yes who knows who knows I think he's got all the attributes but I think to get to the point of being a really really good manager you have to have some experience and and I think that starts in the lower leagues Uh, well people talk about experience experience this experience that but you can be let's say not the cleverest not the most enlightened and you can have 30 years of experience of being crap and then some guy (laughs) some guy can come along in his first season or two, get promoted from the championship and then, uh, you know, storm it. Because he has a plan, he's got, you know, tactical awareness, he's a student of the game, so experience. And so, I mean, to be fair, you know, the, the, you know the supposedly, I suppose, the, the biggest manager in world football, Guardiola, he started out at the Barcelona B team, essentially the equivalent of where someone like Mark Delaney is at Villa, and then mm. f- found himself thrust straight into the first team and had instant success there. Because he had the continuity through the club, so yeah, that's what Zidane did. He uh, he had a season or two with uh, Real Madrid B team, and then went straight to the top, and uh, the rest is history as well. So I think, I mean, I, I saw the logic in uh, JT being like the Chelsea under twenty threes manager for a season. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I mean, I'll just quickly say something perhaps a, a little bit controversial is that our blooding ground for, for academy players and for that model that you've just been describing has an, is, is fronted and has been for a long time by Kevin McDonald. Now, you know, where, where's, our, where's our fluid, you know, if we're developing players or we want to develop players through our academy, shouldn't we be trying to do things like that? with our next managers, you know, and um, I think yeah. you know, some of the examples given, you know, we're no Real Madrid in terms of our setup and our thinking and <laughs> all those things. But, you know, if there has been a static, um, stagnant constant, then it then it probably is that. And, and I'm, I'm on record a number of times for saying the academy hasn't done enough, but actually not a lot's changed there if you look over over a number of years. What you're talking about is the idea of blooding a, man, the f- a future Villa <laughs> manager or giving him some grounding as the under-23 boss is, uh, it would be a great move. Well, I think so. And I think if we're talking about changing, you know, getting a whole club ethos, or, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what that means, by the way. But yeah. it, th- this idea that, you know, look at how, how, how McDonald is wheeled out every time or near enough every time we need a we, we need a caretaker. And, and, and actually, it was a bit painful to watch how we turned out because against Millwall, because that was a real missed opportunity for individuals on the pitch. It was an opportunity to, to do a little bit of a shake up. And, you know, you listen to some of the pre-match and post-match and you think, uh, it underlines how Aston Villa are in the past in quite critical areas of the club still. Mm. Peace out. Mm. Mm. Right, next question, uh, also by Sandeep14, who's asked about 10 questions, but uh, we'll answer this one first. Will the ref last week refund my £490 I wagered and was screwed out of? Or would he prefer to pay up my potential winnings, 1,500? Uh, you could be referring to any game. <laughs> I was about Never to suggest. on Villa. Yes. They are reliably unreliable. That's if he's well, talking about opposition. Villa. If I'm assuming he's referring to whether James, if you're referring to that game, whether James Chester is sent off or not, Villa should have won that game. They had a fucking penalty in the last kick of the game. And they were tuning up at half time. It's not the re- yeah. It's not really the ref's fault. Uh, well, no. I mean, Sandeep could be uh, referring that even though we're two 0 up at half time, he's, he's going to get his winnings. But then James Chester gets sent off, so the ref screwed him. But at the end of the day, Villa had that penalty and should learn how to defend as ten men properly. So I wouldn't blame the ref in that situation, to be honest. If that's the game you're talking about, anyway. Ollie Sudborough says, would love more frequent pods. Any chance? Well, the main problem is, is they take a long time to edit because we uh, record it over the air. We have to clear up uh, some of the audio so you can actually listen. This isn't the Birmingham Mail where they'll just put anything out. And it's, unli- oh, 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 and it's unlistenable. <laughs> Any old shite, I'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we actually I, o- I always think about the uh, the listener and they want a certain amount of quality. I mean, ideally, we want microphones so we can meet up and uh, like a mixer so we can do it on location. There's a lot of uh, things to take into account when you're talking about recording audio, and we know what we're doing, but we just need to justify uh, getting the equipment to do it. So then, if we can do it on location, then we can invite listeners on and obviously do more interviews and and stuff like that but uh, it's it's kind of a cost situation and uh, obviously that's where if you become a patron and and help out that's uh, definitely a step in the right direction so please do uh, consider it and go to myomansaid.com 
and click on the Patreon option because that's the way that this uh, podcast uh, expands. I mean, we're we're kind of operating now on like 50% of the potential because the things we want to do, we're kind of held back a little bit. And if we can record on location and see each other's eyes while we're doing it, it's a bit easy to uh, interact. We want to look into your eyes. I want to look into Dan Rogers' eyes. That's right. And it's quicker to edit, and uh, <laughs> if it's quicker to edit, then there's more shows because sometimes I, I I'm editing these shows all through the night, and that just screws up my week. What's the opposite of it's labour of love, but also it's it's a painful existence, and I think I will die soon <laughs> because, <laughs> be, because of it. <laughs> sorry to laugh. Sorry to laugh so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll miss the relegation, David. Oh. <laughs> the double relegation. What a, what a way to go, though. <laughs> what some a way relegation. to go. We could actually, instead of carrying the Blues symbolic coffin, I could actually I'll insist on taking you to the game. You'll Even in death, you'll suffer with us. <laughs> But uh, anyway, but also uh, we are just while we're doing some housekeeping, uh, please do, uh, if you're listening on uh, iTunes stroke Apple, please do review it and uh, follow us on Twitter at AVFC podcast. And also we are now on Spotify. Uh, I see a lot of people following us on Spotify. So uh, if you prefer, thank you, thank you very much. Mm. There's a lot of uh, first time listeners, actually, uh, because of uh, the Spotify connection. A lot of it's still people are not too sure about listening to podcasts. Uh, and an interesting thing is, I mean, these are like, let's say, smart people. And they're like, yeah, you know, podcasts, it's a fad. It's a fashion. And then when I've convinced them to listen just you know just give it a go because i think you might like it they've uh, they've actually become like the big groupies of the show <laughs> which uh you know we're, we're, we're doing this we're putting this show out because we do it because it's something that we would listen to actually i do listen to it well i have to because <laughs> i have to edit the <laughs> you have to, through the night <laughs> uh, we do it more for entertainment and to kind of have a bit of a show i do it for therapy could i just therapy make as well Right, anyway, let's move on to an, another question by Dunk Culture. Great name. Don't you think it's weird that Roberto Di Matteo has, was sacked after a game versus Preston that had a missed Villa penalty in the last minutes? Hashtag Illuminati. That's, that's no. a bit weird. That, Dan, you know was, about the Illuminati. I, I think we should check with Alexa, who actually is in charge of Aston Villa still. Oh, good point, actually. Yeah, this this made us laugh earlier on. Let me just turn my microphone around so it's pointing at my uh, Amazon Alexa that my sister, sister bought me for Christmas. Or oh, did she? By the way, uh, I don't call mine Alexa. I call mine Computer. Computer, who is the Aston Villa manager? Aston Villa's manager is Roberto Di Matteo. <laughs> There you have it. There you go, people. <laughs> the last two, almost two years, never happened. Didn't happen. Just think of all that. Come on. Just think about all that money you've wasted on your season tickets and away day travel. Didn't actually happen. Roberto Di Matteo is still the Aston Villa manager. Oh God! All is forgiven. Bring back Gallini. He will definitely be the first choice goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, he'll definitely be the first choice goalkeeper without a doubt. <laughs> Can we get Jordan Ayew back as well? <laughs> Aaron Tishbola, he's with that relegation battle. <laughs> uh, did you answer the Illuminati uh, one? Are we kind of? If, if maybe, do I think it's weird? No, I just think it's that Villa are shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's a lovely symmetry in football, and and yeah. uh, we of the mad few like to make sure that uh, that that symmetry continues. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's go on to the next question. Uh, Sandeep again, Sandeep fourteen asks, we should put Bruce at centre back and see how he likes it. Brackets, even though he was a CB in his day. It very much isn't his day, Sandeep. I think we've re- we've uh, we've already realised that. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, you might. I think Steve Bruce. Uh, I mean. Just the physical presence of him at the moment would uh, probably uh, be better than. Yeah, didn't he didn't have a physical presence, <laughs> and they're probably about as mobile as he's each not, other. He's not as wide as Bruce, though, is he? He'd be a very girthy centre half, wouldn't he? Be very, anyway, we, I mean, a... let's <laughs> let's not fat shame. <laughs> <laughs> on on that theme, Pat Singleton asks, "Who would your ideal back four from our squad mm. of players be?" <sighs> Bloody hell. Um, right back, who would you go for? Well, let's start. Let's go easy. Have let's, we got any probably right Elmo. Uh, start at left back. Who would you go probably for? Probably a bit short, aren't we? I'd give Taylor a run. Yeah, I'd give him a chance as well. And let him build into his role. So then that would free up Hudson. So who's your right back? Elmer Hamadi. Dan? Do you know what? Okay, controversial. I think we should we should probably use Elmer Hamadi further up the pitch. Shouldn't we what? not be using James Bree as a right back? Yeah, I'd probably go for Bree. We're, we're wasting time. Playing these old dudes, yeah, and they're crap anyway. So you might as well. Uh, I mean, Bree surely can only get better by playing games. So I would, I would. He doesn't have, play any games. That's exactly yeah. you know. He doesn't or in the correct position. I would have Bree in as a, at right back. There we Taylor are. at Taylor. I mean, it already sounds quite weak. The defense. Then you've got Chester, and then two and Zabi. <laughs> the question is from our squad of players. It's not like yeah. we, <laughs> this yeah, isn't exactly. a World Eleven, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so and that and I mean that you look at that. And you think, fuck, our defence is weak. (laughs) (laughs) You go back a few seasons when our young and -and up-and-coming centre-backs were Cahill and Ridgewell. And we played Manchester United in the FA Cup at Old Trafford. Well, we used to play them in the FA Cup in the third round every season. <laughs> Felt like it. It was a it was a buy for Man U. This one it? was all, it was always good, pretty good games though. I mean, we we always gave them exciting buys into the next round. But <laughs> uh, old uh, pajama bottoms was in goal. Kirilli. Kirilli, and that whole game, Cahill. We had big injury crisis. I think Melberg and Larson were injured. If I, if they were. Uh, our first two, if I remember rightly, Cahill and Ridgewell played incredible. They were they were fantastic on that day. And United only won it, uh, I think two one. It was like in the final minutes where uh, pajama bottom man Carilli spilled. <laughs> let Solskjaer's goal just go under his pajamas, and it was and it was sickening. <laughs> it was like through his yeah. legs or whatever. And it's just like those two guys have just put in one hell of a performance. If we'd walked away from Old Trafford, would have been remembered. And Martin yeah. O'Neill, Martin O'Neill might have thought, "Fuck him, that Cahill's good. I'm going to play him, and I won't have to sign that Zach Knight chap." Oh, painful memories. But that was like Colossus defending because we're talking about Manchester United at that time, who you know they steamroll through teams. Those two guys kept United at bay. Now I look at this team now, and those two players, however old they were, they're nineteen, twenty, would would be in as a centre back partnership now, playing mm-hmm. first first choice. And this is how bad it is at the moment. It's you, you, you're even considering thinking about. Oh, I wish we had Baker and Clark. <laughs> it's, it's that no, bad. No, 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 no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. There's been no yeah. no natural progression. That I think we, what happened was with your Bakers and the Clarks is that there was never any players coming through behind them who made them really never challenged 
You know, they yeah. never. You know, and Baker he, should have gone on to have been a much better player. And this is, opinion. you know, this is one of the problems with the Terry thing. It was, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's almost like a, a fairground attraction for a season. But if it failed, ter- Terry was was good if it worked. If we got promoted, then the Terry thing's great. But that was another mm. thing. It, it had to work because if it didn't, then it's a failure. Because not only have you been spending sixty thousand pounds on a player, he's disappeared as soon as uh, you don't get promotion. So you've suddenly got a big hole there. And with nothing, yeah. nothing there to fill it in, because the guy that you you've actually got on your roster, Elphick, you you don't fancy, and you, you get rid of him. Well, that's what I was just about to say. That I think that the obvious centre half pairing for what from what's remaining is 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 Chester and Elphick, isn't it? And I I find it even, you know, at the time we spoke, how bizarre it was that he was shipped out. But when he's the gaping hole that was left by Terry, how that's impacted Chester, you know, in terms of his form. It's it's an even more remarkable decision, really, because unless you're going to promote the the young lad from the from the reserves, it's you don't understand what he, on earth he was been thinking. The word on the street is allegedly, as one of our listeners uh, informed us, there mm. was an altercation between Elphick and Bruce uh, after the Burton game, and uh, I think that's why he was shipped out pretty pretty quickly. And I think Bruce alluded to it in his after-match press conference where he said certain people that are knocking on the door, you know, let themselves down and, uh, you know, they've they've said they want... And you're thinking, actually, from what I've heard, that sounds to connect uh, that there's been a bit of... uh, If he's been slagging off Elphick, for example, for not turning up, and Elphick's kicked off, because, you know, you'd be pretty frustrated if you're in Elphick's uh, situation. Mm. I mean, the whole defence is a, a mess, and that question is, is a... Well, it's an easy one, but it's it's also a, it's a fruitless question because the answer isn't uh, su- sufficient for any promotion attempt. Sandeep14, again, he needs to get a couple of Instagram accounts, well, more Instagram accounts, because uh, we might limit him to two questions next time. What would you do if Terry was messaging your sister? Have you got sisters, by the way? I know Chris has. Dan. I have. I've got two. Oh, yeah. yeah I've got three. <laughs> okay, okay. So we're in the game. We're all in we're the in game. We're in the game. We're in the game. <laughs> <clears throat> so ch- okay, so JT's texting your sister, Dave. What's what's going down? Well, my sister, in her phone, let's say about f- five years ago, had pretty much five or six of... You looked at it and you think they're playing for England soon. And uh, a lot of, uh, several of them have played for England. So she knows all these fucking footballers. I think she had like a holiday job in Spain somewhere. So there was uh, a lot of footballers going over in the summer. So she got to uh, meet them and greet them. I've got some stories, but I can't tell them on on there. So what you're saying is they were messaging your sister. (laughs) But no no John Terry. Uh, So what would you do if Terry was messaging your sister? I'd totally be taking the number off the phone and texting him back and saying, come round, you can be my new brother. I'd get him on the podcast. Hang trial him. No, trial him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you could caveat it by saying, what would you do if new Aston Villa boss John Terry was messaging your sister? Does that, does that change the uh, picture? I'd put tactics in his head. <laughs> the key moments, shout yeah. out the formation. 442! <laughs> Well, yeah, no, Don't play Hutton yeah. at centre-half. No, Hutton at centre-half. So my answer is, I would use my sister as a Trojan horse to control John Terry, the villa manager. <laughs> exactly. I think we're all in agreement then. Yeah. So, yeah, it would, it, if, if he started messaging my... Because my sister's pretty cool. She, she would tell him to fuck off. Well... Mm. Same. My one would absolutely rip him to pieces, to be fair. She would, like, uh, cock-tease him. 
but he, he wouldn't get anything. He wouldn't get anything. Do you know what I love about I love about John Terry? Is everyone goes, I love the footballer. I don't like the man. I yeah. love the footballer, John Terry. He's amazing. Don't like the man. We'd be controlling him if he was a villain manager, though. Put it that way. Anyway, yeah. last question of the session. I like this the, one. It's really positive. Of the episode, Tomid one by one, one times one says. Should we abandon all hope of going up and look long-term? We're doomed. Well, I think the long-term future is the same as the uh, short-term future if we don't go up this season. Mm. It, it's not going to happen for years. You'll be, lucky if your <laughs> gran- you'll be lucky if your grandchildren see the Premier League uh, supporting Aston Villa. Do you know what? I mean, in all honesty, did you imagine we'd be down here three years when, when, when we came down? Well, I remember I put out a uh, like a poll and it said, when mm. do you think Villa will get promoted? And he, this season, next season, within five seasons, and then he's five seasons plus. Mm-hmm. And f- if memory serves me right, there was at least 20% that said five seasons plus. I need, yeah. I need to dig out this. Uh, I've got it as a graph somewhere. They really are the intelligent <laughs> yeah, they, few. They were the <laughs> mad few. <laughs> so I think <laughs> this is the first evidence of the mad few is that, I don't know what, I think it's 15 to 20% who said five years plus. So these guys are deeper thinkers than we you know, we, we will ever be because they, they saw the bigger picture. They siphoned off any uh, hype or hope and just thought, well, I'm going to tell it as it is. Should we abandon all hope? I would, I would if I was you. The wolves are doing well. Support the wolves. <laughs> <laughs> so should we abandon all hope of going up and look long term? No. 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 We fight. We fight. Get the fucking job done. Get it done. Can we, can we get the job started? Then we can We're start like a really enjoying life. Builder. Anyway, until next time, uh, make sure you subscribe on whatever format or follow on whatever format you listen to the show on. And we'll share be us on socials. Please do retweet or share or uh, tag in somebody just to uh, get the people that should be listening to the show listening to the show. Have we got any words of wisdom? Have you got anything else to say to our listeners before we go? We're fucked. <laughs> And on that note, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Ta-ra. My old man said... Poor old bud. Poor old bud. Nothing's going right for him. Good job he's a Wolves fan. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But I'm surprised he hasn't declared himself. But, you know, maybe we'll out him uh, on the next show. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.